And we've been in a series called Jesus in His Own Words. I'm just going to get my notes over here so I can have that. Um, and so if you're new since uh, Easter, we've been talking through this series of Jesus in His Own Words. And I'm not sure if you've ever been in a situation where you've been maybe misrepresented, where you're walking through, you said something, and then someone else said something, and then you're hearing from like the third or fourth party that I'm like, oh, I didn't know you hated me, and you thought my pants were ugly. You're like, What? Like, I didn't say that at all. Like, you misrepresented. Like, I know sometimes you're working with, like, volunteers or stuff. You're like, oh, like, someone said, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm coming away from work, but I'll be there on time. And then said that one person, the next person's like, oh, so-and-so's not coming. And then they said that to someone else. And then someone else tells me, like, yeah, so-and-so hates you because you're ugly and they're no longer serving. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. And so what, what do we normally do is we want to hear from the source, right? Some of you are like, wow, you really jumped to the extreme there from like, can't make it to your ugly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. Uh, but like you'll grab your phone and say, hey, sometimes I'll do this. And this is if you're not sure and you're wondering about this, this is a great practice. You say, hey, um, I heard this. Can you just clarify to me? Where you text the source. And oftentimes in the Bible, when Jesus was walking around, there was a lot of rumors going around, around about who he was and the person he was. Some people are thinking like, oh, he's a great teacher. And so maybe that's all. These other people are like, oh, he's a prophet. And so that's when somebody's like, ah, he's a false prophet. He's uh, the king of demons. So that's why he can do this. And, and there's certain statements throughout the Bible where Jesus, it's almost like he picks up the phone. And he just texts and hey, I just want to set the record straight. I just want to let, like, this is who I really am. And the implications of that for you and for me. And this morning, we're going to take a look at one of those statements where Jesus comes to clarify who he is. And today's statement is, I am the vine. I am the vine. This comes out of John chapter 15. If you're OCD and you want to flip ahead, we'll be going through one to nine. There's your heads up. Um, but in this passage, I think it's important to look at the context a little bit of what's happening. Because anytime when we read the Bible and we look at a statement, it's important just to ask yourself a couple questions. One is, who is this written to? What was the context? Was this a huge crowd of 5,000 people? Was Jesus talking to Peter? Like, what was happening? And, and a lot of times, Jesus will actually use uh, parables where he takes an analogy from culture that they would have understood to illustrate a kingdom or a biblical principle. And in this passage, in John chapter 13 to 17, it's known as like Jesus' last instruction or teaching to his disciples before he heads to the cross to be crucified, put in the grave, to be resurrected, and ultimately be ascended to be with the Father. And so it's, it's like Jesus is closing words to his disciples before he goes to do that. Uh, these aren't words to the crowds, right? Like this isn't Jesus talking to the multitudes, those who follow him, don't follow him. Like this is Jesus gathering the boys, saying, guys, listen, I need to teach you some things. Not even, I need to teach you some things that are new, but Jesus is saying, listen, hey, I'm about to leave, and it's really important that you understand what I'm leaving with you. There's some instructions. There's some mindsets. There's some thought patterns that you need to be aware of if you're ever going to be able to accomplish our goal here. And he begins in 13, say, listen, I came to set the captives free. I came to bring heaven, kingdoms heaven, and, and illustrate to you in flesh and blood what that looks like to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew 20 and 18 says that we're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that this mission that Jesus came to initiate is actually now on us. That Jesus leaves instructions for his disciples for when he is gone so that it is clear what the mission is 
and how they need to accomplish that mission. I, I think of this as like, because again, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be a dad on July 13th, almost as like dad's first solo babysit, right? Like mom is about to go for a weekend trip with the girls. She's about to leave. And so she gathers the husband and says, listen, the goal is keep her alive. All right? Now, I know you don't understand that, and you're already confused. You're like, wait, where are you going? Can I come with you, Jesus? Where are you like, right? Peter's like, can I go with you? There's nowhere you'll go. I'll never go. And like the husband's like, no, 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 I'll go with you. I'll take her. I promise. I'm sorry. Just don't leave me. Right? So I think the anxiety of the disciples is much like the anxiety of a new father who's being left with his daughter for the first time. And mother is gone. Not just for like a little vacation to the store, but like, hey, going away. This is an overnight occurrence. Right? And so it's like the mom says, like, listen, here's the list. Go again. The goal, keep her alive. Or you won't be alive. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Right? And it's like, now, I've left you a list of things. Oh, but what about this? That doesn't matter. These are what's really important. This is what you need to know about what I do and how I operate. And most of the time, they're even kind of so. Listen, I understand you lack the ability on yourself, so I'm going to send a helper. Mom's going to come, right? Jesus like, listen, you can't do it. I'll send the helper of the Holy Spirit. And we're thankful for grandparents that are the helper in those situations. We're like, they're just going to come check in, make sure you're not in the fetal position crying louder than the baby is, right? Like, this is kind of the situation. So this is what we walk into with Jesus and the disciples. Saying, guys, listen, I need you to get something. It's actually really important about who I am, not just who I am now, but how you are to operate and think about me once I am gone. And we pick this up in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 9. We're going to read this passage, then we're just going to take a look at a couple situations that we're going to pull out of it for our lives. It says, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken. Interesting there, just we're not going to get to that. We can go back to that. Basically what that's saying and word there, the word that, the Greek word in that is actually logos, which many scholars believe is saying, listen, you've already received the logos word, the, the, the written word of God, the, the idea of the gospel, and it, it, it paints this picture of you've already received me. You're clean, you're good, you're already grafted into me because there's another different word the word, word, that we're going to look at there. And so it jumps to the next uh, passage there. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. The implication there is that you are already in me. Again, this is to the disciples, not to the Gentiles, not to the lost, not to those who are. These are people who follow Jesus. He says, you are already in me because you've received the logos. You've received the gospel. Remain in me and I in you. No branch can bear fruit in itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. Again, Jesus, he's just like the mom leaving the dad for the first time. He gets that you just were like glossy-eyed the first time. So like, no, 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 again, remind yourself, keep her alive. Like this is like, Jesus, I, 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 I knew you didn't get it. I'm the vine. Say like, you know, I, I've learned this apparently, but I want, to, I want to try this. It's like, put your finger on my nose. Repeat after me. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branch. I'm the branch. What are you supposed to do? Remain in me. Like Jesus, he's repeating himself here on purpose. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you do not remain in me, 
You are like a branch. See, again, Jesus just knows, like, Thomas is sitting there, he's like, yeah, well, what if I don't? He goes, thanks, Thomas, for asking. I'm glad you asked that. Let me tell you. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned, to which Thomas is then like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Again, uh, it will be done to you. And this here word is actually logos. Or sorry, uh, the first logos, this is actually rhema, which means when God speaks to you, personally. So Jesus said, listen, I understand that you've had the Logos, you've received salvation, but to remain in me, you are dependent on the breath of Holy Spirit in your life to lead and guide you. And as you hold on to the words that Holy Spirit speaks to you specifically in his will and how he's called you, you can then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The last verse, we'll get to this at the end, but one more up there. Or did I not make that slide? I don't think I made that slide. It ends by saying, and this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're going to take a look at this passage, and you're probably wondering, Daniel, I don't garden. I live in a basement suite. I don't have a garden. Or I have a townhouse, and I have a moss pad, not a garden. What does this have to do with me? Uh, we're going to get there, but why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. Jesus, I ask that in a world that has so many different ideas and opinions about who you are and how we ought to relate to you, God, I ask you'd bring some clarity to that this morning. God, I ask that you would speak to us and you would show us what it means to remain. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got a little prop sermon illustration because I'm a visual person. For those of you wondering, this is a kiwi plant. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the plant that Jesus was talking about when he says a vine. I tried to be like, oh, I'm going to study, like, what exact plant was it? I can get that. And everyone's like, we don't know. He was just using an example. I'm like, oh, cool. Anyway, so Jesus talking about this. I just want to look at three characters uh, in this story because I think it's important for us to realize who we are in this story as well. It starts by saying, Jesus starts up, I am the vine. So the vine is one of the first characters, which you can't really see it in here. Um, but in this one, the vine starts, it's this one here. It's kind of up from the middle. There's a little branch here that kind of branches off of this. But I am the vine. And Jesus says this interesting saying. He says, I am the true vine. Uh, and it's interesting because he's saying, and he's leaving, saying, listen, you need to understand this. And the, the, that phrase, the true vine, was actually a reference to Old Testament, which represented Israel, the people of God. Isaiah says that God came and he prepared the land and he took the true vine out of Egypt and he planted them in the promised land. Israel's intention was one to be the chosen people of God, that God might bless the nations through them. That it wasn't just meant to be them and themselves, but the fruit of the vine was supposed to be that nations from the world could come and experience and understand what it's like to live in covenant relationship with Yahweh, with God. Jesus in the New Testament makes this statement. He says, I'm actually the vine. I'm the chosen son. And that through me, God's intention was to bury me and there would be a death in the sea, but out of that death would come this life of this vine, that through me there would be life for all of humanity, that there would be hope, that people would look at my life and they would be able to see what it's like to live in communion with the Father. I am the vine. The purpose of the vine is to produce the life necessary to produce, to, to produce the intended fruit that will one day be 
at the end. And it's interesting, the story that the vine is this, but the fruit is dependent not only on the vine, but on the gardener who chose the vine. He didn't choose an apple tree. He chose a kiwi tree. And so the vine produces what is in it, but the farmer chooses what he planted. The vine determines the nature of the fruit. This kiwi vine will never, ever, ever produce grapes. It doesn't matter if there's this little grape branch here that's like, no, I really want to be a grape. It says, no, you have a kiwi vine, and it will produce a kiwi fruit. And it's also interesting to note in this that when you look at this, that the vine in and of itself actually lacks the ability to produce fruit. Like if you just had a vine with no branches, you would have no fruit. It's actually through the vine and the branches when they are in the vine and the vine is in them that fruit can be produced. The same way where Jesus probably could have wrapped this whole thing up a long time ago, gather some people, do some miracles, do this, but in his sovereignty and his wisdom, he refused to eliminate the branch because he says, I am the vine. I think this is important because Jesus is telling us a little bit about what he will do and what he won't do. If we are followers of Jesus, what we can expect him to do and what we should not expect him to do. Second, we see the gardener. I'm going to be the gardener today, which is the father. He says, I, the father. The gardener, it's in this word, there's the gardener, which in Palestine, his only job would have been to like till the soil, like prepare what's going on. But then there's also this Greek word could mean vine dresser, which their job was to, not, to, to spade and prepare the soil. It was also to plant the fruit in what it was. Um, it, it was simply to, or, okay, going through there, um, responsible to tend to the vine he planted, to remove anything that hindered the fruit from being produced, and at the right time, he will harvest the fruit that was planted. So again, we see in this that sometimes he cuts, sometimes he prunes, he watches, and what he's watching for is not just growth, but he's watching for fruit. Again, Jesus, and there are a couple different parables, he, he begins to speak to us of the importance of fruit in our lives. And all of these things, he's not just talking about wanting an apple on an October afternoon. He's trying to illustrate what kingdom life is supposed to be like and the expectations for those who are connected and in the vine. And lastly, we see the branches. That would be these little guys here and all over here, that we are the branches. And the sole job of a branch is to bear the fruit of the vine. It doesn't get to decide what it wants to do. Its job is directed by the vine. Its life is supplied by the vine. It cannot survive on its own. Its life is 100% dependent and directed by the vine. And Jesus lets us know what the goal of everything going on in here. And follow me. I just want to create some background, and we're going to get to what this means for you and I. Some of you are already, like, planning, like, when the NBA basketball games are gone, are the Raptors going to do it, or the Golden State Raptors are clearly going to win? You're welcome. Um, but it sits there, and it's the goal, he says it actually seven times in this passage, that the goal of the farmer, of the vine, and the branch is fruit. Where Jesus references it seven times in here that this is the goal. That all three are meant to accomplish this one goal. But then when you look at the purpose of the branch and how we accomplish this, when he's mentioning the branch, he actually doesn't say that the branch's job is to produce fruit. He says that the branch's job is to continually remain in the vine. And the byproduct of remaining in the vine is that you will produce fruit. Again, Jesus is trying to let his disciples understand what is your job? What should your focus be? Peter, put the sword down. 
Stop trying to accomplish this under your own power. Your job is not to produce fruit. You lack the ability on yourself, but you will produce fruit when you remain in the vine. We see that this is the goal. So what does this look like for you and me? Well, Daniel, like, Daniel, great, that's fantastic. What, uh, what does this all mean? I want to look today at three different branches that Jesus mentions in this passage. Because like in this room, we would be one of those three branches. So as I talk about this, I want you to simply ask, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me maybe what branch I am? Because I know so often, and, and some of this, and you're going you're gonna to fight it, and you're going to almost chuckle as soon as it does happen. You're going to be like, oh, that's great for Susan. Man, Susan needs to figure that out. If you're Susan today, I'm sorry. It's just the first name that came to mind. I'm not pointing you out. Or like, oh, Jeff? Yeah, oh, Jeff needs that. Hope he gets that. I think that can be just a natural human tendency, even if we're not careful. Or worse, like, I hope my husband's listening. And the husband's like, I hope my wife is listening. Then the mom's like, I hope, wish my kids were here, right? And it's like these situations where we, we think that's good for someone else. But I want to encourage you this morning to maybe ask God, where do I fit in this? Like, which branch would I be? Are there steps that you want me to take? And Jesus starts with the first branch. He says this in verse, chapter, or verse 2. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, now, at first glance, this can seem pretty intense, but when you look at this Greek word, it could actually mean two things. Cut off is one, but the other translation, which I think brings a whole new meaning to this, is he lifts up off the ground every branch that does not bear fruit. So what would happen, a vine dresser would come and he would understand that if all you want to do is remain in the vine and you do this, and you just think, oh, I can't, you know, I, I, I'm a branch, I'm by the vine, that's, that's fantastic. But if there was no structure or no support that was added, eventually the vine would just be on the ground. So what the, the gardener would do is he would come and he would grab some of these things here and he'd say, hey, listen, you're growing and that's fantastic, but the job and, and, and the purpose of your existence is not just that you would grow, it's what? What's the goal? That you would produce fruit. And so he understands, this is not good to do with a tremor, by the way. We go, can I get a, can I get a, a farmer? Uh, for Jonathan G, can you come up here? You're my farmer today. Everyone say hi to the father. Hi, father. Come on. So you can just tie that to there. And so the farmer comes and he says, hey, if you're going to remain in the vine, the goal is fruit. You can't just be low-hanging. So he says, he'll come and he looks at our life. And if there's no fruit, says, hey, listen, this is a healthy branch, but I need to lift it up. I need to change its, its orientation. I need to bring some structure to its life so that it can produce the intended fruit. A vine dresser would grab the support tied to the branch, to the structure, because it, if it was left just to be close to the vine, I'm just happy that, you know, I, I get to be part of the vine. Look at me and my leaves. It's fantastic. And I just show up, and I'm the vine, and it's just, it's just great. And oh, I don't need any, I'm not a child, I don't need structure. I just love being the vine. I just, it's organic. I just love that it's organic, and it just, it just it needs to flow, you know? I just don't want it to be forced. It just needs to be natural. And so I just want to be, it just needs to be natural. And, and again, some of you in this room, this is where you can't look at the other person, right? You're thinking about yourself, not about that person you know who's like, oh, mm -hmm. right? But Jesus and the, and the gardener understood that if the vine was left, two things would happen. 
that one, if a vine was down here, it would be blocked out by the other things and it wouldn't get enough sunlight. It would sooner or later, even though it's connected, would begin to wither and be fruitless. So again, what the farmer does is he comes and he said, can you take this one, Jonathan? Just begin to tie it up. Where it was hanging low and he comes and what does he do? He changes the proximity of the branch to the sun. Because he understands that if you're just a little bit connected, but the closeness and the proximity of you to the sun isn't where it needs to be, there won't be life and there won't be fruit. And Jesus comes to us and says, listen, it's fantastic that you received me, but your proximity to me needs to change. It can't just be where it was. And so the good father comes and adds structure to our life. And that structure causes our natural tendencies to lay low and to be just organic and do whatever I feel. And it actually ties us to a structure that changes our position to the sun, that he brings it up. And last, after that, where another one is down, one of the other things is that if there was fruit, because when a plant's smaller and there's not a lot of stuff above it, even on the ground, it might produce a little bit of fruit. But without structure, that fruit will rot prematurely before it's ripe because it doesn't lack the distance from the ground. And when it's on there, it's way more vulnerable to attack from different insects or bugs that it can come and get. Like some of us, we love Jesus, but when someone says, hey, what's your Bible reading plan right now? Oh, I just, I do whatever Holy Spirit wants. Like, I'm yet to talk to someone who has a consistent devotional life that doesn't have a plan. Oh, I'm just reading this now, and after that, well, I'm not really sure now, and it's been a week or a couple months, and like, I just don't, I don't want to be boxed in. But it's interesting, the farmer knows that if there's no structure, there can be no life. And if there's no life, there's no fruit. And so often in our lives, we sit and we talk and we, we're frustrated. Jesus is saying, if you desire to follow me, it's not good enough just to receive this gift of salvation. You're expected to grow and bear fruit. Some of us just love to let this happen and be organic. But your lack of fruitfulness in your life might actually not be that you're not connected enough to the vine. It might actually be because of lack of structure that's positioning you to properly facilitate the life that the vine has to offer. Let me put it this way. Some of you, you're really contending for things. You're like, I just need to pray more. I just need to worship more. I just need to do this. You know that the Bible is full of this intimate relationship, this connection. And when we think rain in the vine, like, I just need to love Jesus more. I just need to love Jesus more. No, you might need to get your finances in order so that you can go and do what God's called you to do and produce the fruit that God's called you to produce. Oh, I just love doing this, and I just love serving people, but if you don't have boundaries and structure in your life, you'll never be able to say yes to what God wants you to say yes to because you said yes to everything else. And there's no structure, therefore there's going to be no fruit. But I just love being close to Jesus. I just love it, which is important. Again, what I'm not saying, it's the branch's job to work hard and produce the fruit. You can't do that. But there's certain structures that Jesus sets up in Scripture like in Hebrews where it says, hey, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Sunday mornings is a structure that positions you properly to receive what you need so that you can produce what you were meant to produce. Some of you, you're lacking relationship because you just want a, a, an organic friendship, but you don't want to sign up for a group and commit for eight weeks. 
and you're wondering why there's no fruit of friendship and community in your life, where people are here or gone, there's something there's not, because you refuse to say yes to a structure that will connect you to people so that you can begin to bear the fruit that you were needed to bear. Some of us, there's so much purpose in you. There's such an incredible plan of God on your life, and you want to do things, but you're just not sure because, oh, I don't want to go to grow track. I, it's just, I've been here enough, and I, I just want to do this or do this, but we, we fight the structure because it limits us. But the gardener knows that without the structure, we will never be positioned to produce fruit. And if we don't, we're at risk to eventually one day wither or whatever little fruit we do produce will never come to fruition. It'll never be ripe. It'll never be harvested. But Jesus is so kind. He says, hey, listen, I come to lift you up, and I come to work with you, and I come to say, hey, would you, would you just be connected? Would you just do this? I got a plan for you. I know this is great, but trust me, if there's a little bit of structure in your life, like Jesus desires fruit of generosity to be a part of your life, but if we never have a budget where we can live beneath our means, not above our means, we never have the means to be generous. Although we really want to, we just can't because we're not structured enough. There's no discipline in our life. There's things like the spiritual disciplines. And some of us are like, oh, that sounds so dry. I love that Dallas Willard talks about the spiritual disciplines like Fasting, devotions, frugality, um, uh, silence, solitude, living beneath your means, all of these natural structures that aren't meant to be dead, lifeless chores, but they're meant to what? Facilitate the life of the vine. Because if you're honest, we always don't know what we need. And a lot of the times, what we desire is on the other end of something we don't want to do. And a loving gardener comes and says, hey, listen, let me lift you up. Let me connect you to some structure that's actually going to facilitate the life that is meant to be in your life. These disciplines are meant to be a part of this. But then there's the other aspect where eventually if you tie and you try and you try and you say, hey, listen, you got to do this and kind of try and connect it. And no, sometimes we'll connect it to another branch. Say, hey, just do this. But after time, we just don't want to do that. We get offended. So we don't want a community or, hey, you're going to try this. You know, I'm going to save money until there's a sale. Hey, oh, Cabela's, right? So you're doing all of these things. And, and after time, you try and you just keep fighting structure. The other meaning of that word says that if he comes and there's still no fruit, it says eventually he comes and he cuts off the branch. And he removes it from there because there's a refusal to obey the farmer. That you think it's about yourself. And, and it's interesting to me that in this situation of the 12 disciples, you have a Peter who wasn't fruitful, but was obedient to listen to the Holy Spirit and to listen to the words of Jesus and add a little bit of structure to his life. And he was grafted in and he was fruitful. But you also had a Judas who didn't like the structure and the kingdom of how Jesus was building it. He disagreed with what was important. We see that he was actually cut off from the vine. And we don't like to talk about this a lot. And again, Jesus is saying, this isn't just talking about now. This is about what will come. When I'm gone, you need to understand that I'm the vine.